Hello and welcome to Daddy OFM, broadcasting live from West Hollywood, California. Joining us today from New York City is artist and gallery owner Indira Cesarine. We'll be talking photography, magazines, and her gallery, The Untitled Space. I'm your host, Jonathan Bookerville, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, Indira, and welcome to episode 18 of Daddy OFM. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How's it going? Fantastic. And thanks for coming on. And it's been a long time in the works, this podcast, but I'm glad to finally have you here. So how was your summer? Yeah, brilliant. I just got back from a really long trip in Tuscany. I went to Europe, hit Paris and Spain and uh, traveled through Italy. It was pretty incredible, about a three-week trip. I really beautiful. enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. And whereabouts in Tuscany? Any, any particular little town? Oh, we went to all kinds of really brilliant, tiny little seascape sort of ports and, um, and areas uh, kind of, you know, it was quite a road trip, actually. We started in Milan yeah. and then went down through to Siena and uh, ended in Rome and just visited like loads of spots along the way. It was Amazing. really impressive. And did you drive? Yeah. Were you on the train or how were you getting about? No, we drove. We Beautiful. drove. <laughs> yeah. And were you navigator or pilot? Oh, I was navigating, of course. <laughs> Far more fun. Exactly. It's funny, like this summer, it seems that uh, old school Europe has, has had a big comeback as a, as a holiday yeah. destination. Vacation, like everyone's in Capri and, and, um, and Mykonos and, and Tuscany. And it mm -hmm. sounds like Europe has been a bit of a place to be this summer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just it adds so much more cultural diversity, exactly. you know, and it's 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 refreshingly inspirational too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that and that's what I find is is as I as I get older and move through through life and continue a creative path, you know, it's it's interesting that these trips you take and 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 not only just what you're looking in, in magazines and art and everything, but even like a trip through Tuscany is one of the most inspiring things you can do and really adds to your craze creativity. I mean, it's such beautiful, you know, incredible landscapes and, and these villages and the architecture and the history is just. So inspirational. It was amazing. The artwork, yeah. yeah. And and was there a particular meal that you remember fondly? Everything was just fabulous. I yeah. can't even explain it. It was just one, well, one on amazing moment after the other. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I actually went for a lot of seafood, which you Great. know um, tends to be pretty good on the waistline. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, and Deer and I go way back. Um, we first met in London in, in the early 90s at some point. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. No, right, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And we've, we've, been, we've been in contact off and on ever since. And, I'm, and I must say I'm really kind of proud of everything you've achieved. And I don't know if it's even appropriate to say that because, you know, I've just followed from what you've done from the very beginning to here you are now and just making such a huge impact in New York. So I just wanted to say a big congratulations from that to just begin with. Thank you. That's so kind. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about um, how you got into photography and why and why you got into photography. Was it the, your 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 uh, love of yours early on in life? I yeah, know absolutely. I started studying photography when I was 
15, 16 years old. Um, I went to Parsons School of Design and did an intensive summer program in photography and just fell madly in love with it. And I literally could not put my camera down from that moment of that summer. Um, and at the time, I was actually studying. I was going to boarding school in Connecticut at Choate, and they have this incredible endowment for the arts that Andrew Mellon very generously donated $100 million to their uh, art center. So Amazing. I had these incredible facilities when I went back to school for the school year, and the photography department, you know, the head of the photo department saw my work I'd done at Parsons, loved it, and gave me an independent study program for the rest of my years at Choate, which was incredible. I had my own dark room, my own oh, wow, photo fantastic. studio. Yeah, and they gave me a, just this incredible opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with the head of the photography department at mm. Choate and hone my crafts. And I was photographing all the girls at school and, like, <laughs> getting every single one of them to get in my studio, you know, and up late at night, printing in my dark room, of course. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it's, some of those photos are pretty risque. Uh, um, are they really? Are they, are they available to the public? Have, have, you, are they, have they you know, seen I've the light of day ever since? I've actually started to exhibit some of them nice. because, you know, it's a lot, it's a huge body of work that's mm. actually very creative, black and white, medium format photography. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I did it where you couldn't really recognize them. Like often it was sort of profiles or sort of like moody shots, right. you know, um, less focusing on who they were and more about just like the figure. Right. Um, and I was always very, you know, I started studying art even before I got into photography. I was studying painting and, um, you know, drawing and sort of all the arts. So, mm. you know, I came to it with a very artistic perspective and continued to kind of even collaborate with working with painting. And I would paint my photographs Amazing. and do kind of collages and very conceptual, abstract work, actually, when I was kind of just sort of getting into it when I was young. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of exciting because... Yeah. I wanted to um, ask, so was the, when you were um, at Parsons, what, uh, or when you were studying photography, mm -hmm. what, what level of it was more technical and what was it more um, artistic and creative? What, what was the you know, mix? It was such an incredible program. I'm actually really impressed thinking back on it. I was only 15 years old, yeah. and we had class every day. I lived in a dorm in Union Square, mm. um, unchaperoned <laughs> and which is brilliant and i basically went to class every day from 9 a.m to 5 p.m um and you know you did everything from like developing your own film yeah. uh, you know shaking it in the canisters with developer to printing um mainly we were shooting 35 mil in that program but they actually brought in um nude models that mm. we photographed in studio um they taught us and walked us through all the various sort of studio lighting techniques and actually right. had us photographing really nude models i mean yeah. we're 15 years old you know and it was like you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was, I mean, these days this wouldn't happen, That's I don't think, for high school students. It'd be like oh, crazy. On, they male, like parents male, would go make crazy. Were we they had, male well, models or female models? Okay, so in my drawing and painting classes, which I actually did uh, the previous summer, there were male and female mm. nude models. Um, well, and my photography course at Parsons, which was a two-month summer intensive, that it was only female nudes that yeah. we had, but I mean, it was full kit off, you sure. know. I mean, it, it was no sort of, um, 
you know, it was very artsy yeah. and the classes were extremely advanced. I mean, right. when I look back at some of, I just recently exhibited one of the pieces I did in that program my first year, mm. you know, first one of my first shoots and it's incredible how advanced it was. It was like solarized black and white right. sort of very beautiful printing. Yeah. Um, you know, it took, it took quite a while to get uh, one of those filters to happen when you're having to do it in the processing, in the camera and then in the print to get, get any sort of effect. Mm. Took a lot of knowledge and know-how and time rather than just like add filter these days. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, these days you just click a button and it's done. I mean, back then it was like, you know, it took eight, you'd shot your film then yeah. you had to develop it you had to wait for the film to dry then you had to cut it up and make contact yeah. sheets and then you know look with a tiny little loop to right. find what image you wanted right. i mean the process was incredible you know i used to cut out like all my contact sheets into tiny little photos and put yeah, together layouts and <laughs> you know so of course you didn't you know if you really loved it yeah. yeah of course i cut out every contact sheet and turned it into tiny little like sort of series <laughs> yeah 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 it's really interesting the differences but i think that it's interesting that that time that was spent on the entire process um how do you think that that added to the final product well, I mean, I think the work was far more creative and you can see it's far, far more artistic. Right. You know, when I look at my earlier archives, like the artistry there was, right. you know, just it was a different level than what yeah. you see today. I mean, it's... Yeah, light, um, shadow, composition exactly. important, depth of field is important, you know, what's in the background, what lens I'm using, all these things. Even, that it, yeah. You know, even the quality of film you use right. like it was a big thing like what mm. film stock yeah. were you shooting on t-max 100 yeah. versus like tri-x 400 versus mm. you know what and what paper were you pan. printing on yeah. you know all of those details like the mm. paper you chose the film you shot on and you had to get it right like you didn't you couldn't just fix it you know yeah. it was like you got it in yeah. the camera or you didn't and that That's time right. was gone and the yeah. moment was lost so there was also that pressure to like get it right. Like if your exposures were off, then mm. you know your shoot could be ruined. Yeah, and then that's such an added pressure. But you also had the time to explore and 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 do a Polaroid and wait and think mm. and, and allow kind of the idea to grow. And and I, and I feel now more more that it, that it, that it's so much more in, instinctual, and you have to. Mm -hmm. But maybe a lot of the thought happens before the shoot, so that it's all preparation with references and all that sort of thing and and maybe there's more time spent before the shoot rather than during the shoot yeah i mean i do think these days the the actual creative process of the work has shifted and it's a lot of sort of people pulling tear sheets and pulling image references and then trying to copy them and right. creating like these mood boards, like right. the mood board has become so important. I always fought against using mood boards because I said, you know what? I want to be spontaneous. I want to have my ideas. I right. want a point of reference. I would like to use my own creative eye to I actually know. capture a new thing. Yeah. I don't want to have to copy anybody else, you know, and if it's going to be a mood board, it better be my work. You know, I certainly am not going to copy some other photographer. But these days, that's what uh, they do. They just pull up, We're, you know, yeah. a master's, like, pull up Avagon, Avagon or, right. you know, pull up whatever and make a mood board of Avagon photos and then and then actually have the gall to say that they could copy that. Right. Yeah. And without shame either, without kind oh, of shameless. thinking it's Totally weird. shameless. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, oh, you know, wait, let's do this Avagon picture. And, 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 like, I remember these being on shoots and... and um, 
being given a tear sheet of, of a photo of a model and it was Kate Moss leaning against a wall. And, um, and, and, and they're like, okay, this is what we want. I'm like, okay, I'll just have a model up against the wall and then lean there. But even, they didn't even consider that it was the, you know, the stardom of the model and everything that actually made the picture. And I'm, they're like looking mm -hmm. at me and going, you know, what's this? I'm like, it's a model against the wall, like the reference. And you're like, but it's not Kate Moss. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> because she's what makes the picture. That's why you can do something so simple with it. But you know, if you had a, you know, wanted something like that, we should have hired Kate. <laughs> exactly. No, it's true. Well, I mean, that's part of the whole. You know, I I always really fought against all that stuff. I remember yeah. having shoots with clients, and they would show me photos and say, oh, "Okay, we want it to look like this," and I would just say, "Well, you know, that's somebody else's work." Right. And you know, at the end of the day, thank you for asking me to do this shoot for you and hiring me but it would be lovely if we could perhaps look through my archives of the thousands and thousands of shoots i've done and maybe something might be relevant there that we could use as a point of reference <laughs> it's so bizarre isn't it because it, it's it's it seems to absolutely make sense to that that's what you want to do but the but there's so, i feel like there's so many layers of approval to get through that 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 if the if a known image is shown, if if a I don't know, it, it's just such a cover your ass kind of mentality. But you know, there's a lot of money and not a lot of time writing on yeah. things these days. Well, I think that's also the nature of the commercial side of the industry, which is one of the reasons why I have sort of shifted back and done a 360 back to my artistic background yeah. and focused more on my work as an artist and the gallery versus working commercially where you are sort of forced to sacrifice your um, integrity and creative spirit and expected to copy and replicate other artists work and I, that whole idea and motivation of commissioned commercial work right. versus being and working as an artist i think that back in the day when you were shooting film and as a photographer you were hired for your photographic style mm. you were given a lot more um, creative mm. uh, sort of entitlement to kind of lead the shoot and sort of direct the saw with your lighting and, and people respected. Right. And Indira, I think it's different these days where, where you have the exact frame you're shooting up on screen for everyone to see and it can be compared to the reference and people can say, oh, I like this, I don't like that. Whereas before you had, you just shot it and you didn't see it again until the next day, if that. I mean, how do you think that, that kind of affects uh, the way we shoot these days? Well, I definitely think that prior to you know the whole digital revolution of photography where people were shooting on polaroid and then shooting the shot you know and just going with it, yeah. it there was a trust given to the photographer for sure oh, and a far more creative freedom where they could just shoot they, they weren't looking at the screen every two seconds they were just right. shooting and getting it and being creative and in the moment and yeah. all kinds of amazing spontaneous things actually happened and mm. that were magical in that time yeah. frame versus every second looking at the screen did i get it did i get it and the clients telling you to stop i mean i recall recently having done a shoot which honestly i want to pull my hair out um it was a cover shoot for untitled magazine which of course i'm also the editor-in-chief of the magazine right. so you would think that i would be sort of um 
creative directing and in charge. But unfortunately, these days with, you know, celebrity PRs, some publicists think that they're ruling the show. Right. And I was on this cover shoot in L.A. at this fabulous location. We were shooting the actual cover, and the publicist just sat and stood at the screen. I was doing my thing. I actually don't like to look at the screen when I'm shooting. I like to kind of – I almost replicate as if I'm shooting film because I want to get those things that I want to trust my instincts when I feel like I've got the shot. Exactly. And at the end – and then I'll go back and review it, and if I feel like it's still not there, I might make some revisions. But I prefer to kind of work old school in that way. And the publicist literally sort of a couple of frames in was like, you've got it. Let's move on. And I was like, what? Like, what are you? What? I can't believe this is happening. Like, this is a cover. You know, I need to be confident that I've got the cover. She literally cut me off and like forced me to stop shooting because she said I got the cover and it was time to move on. That and my talent just walked off set. It's unbelievable. I was like, I, I was in shock. I mean, this yeah. is not supposed to happen, and particularly not when you're the editor of the magazine right. that you're shooting for. But you know what? It even happens to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's and the I shock. hear this happens all the time, and and it's like I don't know what this thing is that that, that I that maybe celebrities or the publicists I know everyone's busy. Everyone's busy, 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 and they have a very tight schedule. But it's it's almost getting a point of a bragging rights so who can have the shortest shoot you know instead of like you've got five minutes with them i'm like well can't we have 20 yeah <laughs> you know? no, like what's that true. gonna make the difference in 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 your day and then you'll get a much better picture you might get a picture that you'll remember in 20 years rather than just another instagram post you know mm-hmm. yeah it is true everybody wants to just like give you five minutes ten minutes i think it's almost ridiculous i mean i turn that sort of stuff down like right. and if they these days, if PR says to me, you know, oh, well, we can give you 15 minutes to, <laughs> you know, do a shoot for for any of my photographers mm. shooting for me, I'm just, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're laughing. Like, we don't yeah. have, we're not going to waste our time. Obviously, there's no unique hair and makeup, no styling, nothing. It's right. just like shooting them as right. is. And any paparazzi could do that. Right. I work with artists. So, right. you know, I'm not interested. But and it is one of those things of like keeping that quality there, which Untitled is known for having yeah. very high quality photography. I would never want to put any of my photographers in that position where they're forced to work in a way where they could never achieve the results they are known for. Mm. And that's what I found about being out in Los Angeles, that, that you know, the, the cost of living is so much less and then there's so much space here and the, the light is amazing that, that you given that sort of space you are able to say no more and only do things that really really interest you and really inspire you and and you're not doing the sort of things that are just just to keep the ball rolling and keep things going and 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 you know so it's interesting to to get to that space and i guess it's you need that confidence in yourself as an artist to to uh to say no to these opportunities mm-hmm no, absolutely. I think it's very important to set your standard. Yeah. I personally think it's far more rewarding to turn things down yeah. that you know are never going to really benefit you in the long run. And like you said, who needs another Instagram post? Right. If that's all it is, right. then turn it down. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't we all have better things to do with our day? I mean, 
And I think so more and more. I mean, uh, uh, coming out here has been a real change for me, and, uh, and, I, and I really feel that I'm rediscovering myself as a photographer and doing pictures I love and, and loving my old work and, and being more confident in my style again because I just don't care anymore, and I, and I don't need to make the money. So I'm, I'm not just agreeing to everything that's put in front of me the whole time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I almost start to think of myself less as a photographer. I mean, it used to be such a, 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 a point of identity for me that I'm a photographer and this, but now, I, you know, photography is becoming just a tool and, and a part of, of my creative um, process. And I love doing this podcast and I find this so creative and really interesting. And I'm doing other things and, you know, shooting more video and, and blah, 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 doing all the things that photographers are doing these days. And, but it, it, it takes a kind of, a, I think, a bit of letting go of the old ego and identity of photography to, to become the creative that you are and realize that photography may just be one of your tools. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think it's, it's important to also these days, I mean, I think being um, sort of open to all the different ways that you can creatively you know, have an impact. Mm. I, I do think, I agree with you. There was a point for me where I was Indira the photographer. Mm. There was a huge portion of my life, like over 15 years where it was Indira the photographer. And that's how I identified with myself. And I got to a point like six, seven years ago where I didn't want to be that anymore. Mm -hmm. And where I felt like that's not cool anymore. I right. don't. I didn't feel proud saying that. I used no. to be really oh. proud to tell yeah. people I was a photographer, and now it's like, no, I don't. I don't. Don't tell anybody that. Yeah. I mean, it's like ridiculous. But yeah. yeah, no, it's one of those things. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't throw me in that sort of. You yeah. know, like I'm not interested in being affiliated with just being a photographer right. because I feel like, you know, I don't know. It kind of lost its its like edge in a way, it did. and, and, and it was, was no still longer just a photographer and. And I found myself, people ask what I did, and like, I'm, I'm a photographer and kind of, you know, it's kind of shrugged about it. Or it used to be such a point of pride and, and it was oh, absolutely. so difficult. And, and because you had to love photography to have a camera with you and to, to, to put these shoots together and spend the time. And now you just, I almost feel you just have to kind of like photography to, to do it. Well, anybody with an iPhone can be a photographer right. now. I mean, that there's no true. skill required. No, it's like press a yeah. button. Yeah. And nobody, every creative director, every art director, every hair and makeup artist is also a photographer. Yeah. Like anybody, anybody and everybody is a photographer. <laughs> there's, you know, I mean, it doesn't make it. it there's not like a, a, when I was working as a photographer in the 90s, for example, mm. The amount of, you know, expertise you had to bring right. to the table to be able to shoot the, sh the jobs and walk in there with all your lighting and right. be shooting medium format and be working with film and, like, get it and, like, get right. it in the, sh in the can, like, right. on the day. And that know magic. you've got it, you know. Yes, and, and you need to be working for to top magazines. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, I remember I started shooting for Vogue and British Vogue in 1997. And it was like such a privilege to work with them. And we had an entire day to right. do one shot, right. which, I mean, can you imagine that happening today? No, I remember we got, did a shot. Like, to get the cover. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like literally we had a whole day just to do one double page spread. Yeah. We did like this beauty shoot for Bogue. And it was like literally two day shoot to get four pages 
and one day alone just for one double page spread. I mean, yeah. the amount of time put into making it perfect and the lighting and the, the, the everything, it was just, you know, and then everybody would be clapping and like, right. you know, it was like a, a huge celebration when the yeah. shoot was over and, and everybody you worked with on that set became your friends for life. Yeah, almost. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like it was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's, I'm it's sure it still is, and, but it, it, it's just, it's not, it, there's not the space. I can't imagine they'd, even Vogue um, is doing no two, way. two shots a day. No, yeah. I don't think so. No, I highly doubt it. Yeah. And I'd like a, any shoot that was given two or three days to do that now is a, a one day shoot is compromised. You know, oh, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you'll get something, but whether you'll get something memorable is in question. And, that, and that's the problem, I think, is, is that you'll always get something. If you're a good photographer, you'll get something. But will you get that extra little bit of something that makes the photograph memorable? And I don't well, think exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a <laughs> what started out as, um, you know, so how was London all those years ago? As, uh, as I think our little roundabout photography is, has uh, taken, taken precedence. Um, yeah. But I find it really interesting. And, and um, I think there's also a gap in quality. You know, I, I, I just don't think that the standards are the same as they used to be. And I see, I see the you know angles wrong. You know, people looking short with large heads, even heads warped off to the sides. You know, weird shadows on the face. There were so many things that I look at that I would would be in fear of my career handing in <laughs> that are published without yeah. question all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, also there's the whole online market, which, right. you know, people are just banging it out. Like you yeah. said, five minutes for a shoot, you know, there you go. Yeah. But, you know, I do think it is one of those things that, um, you know, one of the reasons why I launched Untitled Magazine mm. to kind of circle to the magazine Absolutely. is that I wanted to create an inspirational publication mm. with incredible photography where I could bring together like all these amazing photographers that yeah. I had met over the years exactly. as well as yeah. meet new ones and give them an opportunity to do these great shoots that were actually beautifully produced and beautifully printed and presented in like a sort of collector's magazine versus right. you know just some crappy thing which everybody else seems to be delivering i mean granted in europe in england there's been a huge tradition of really incredible indie magazines but you know um london yeah. in particular but that just has never really existed in the u.s and i mm. wanted to kind of bring that over here and was it? Uh, did you start? You started out with print, right? With the first, with the first, it was always print to begin with. What? what when did you start Untitled? So I basically, we actually initially launched it online um, in 2008. Right. I started working on the online version, and it was originally called 4X Magazine. That's it was right. XXXX, <laughs> the Untitled Magazine, yeah. and it was like four X's as kind of like a symbol for Untitled. Um, and uh, it was online for the first sort of two years. Um, and obviously the magazine had a huge video art premise. Yeah, we did all right. these original videos and we exhibited the work with 
you know, the American Friends, the Louvre, and with the Metropolitan Museum of Art, right. and we were invited to exhibit the work, you know, all over the world, Art Basel, Miami, Cannes Film Festival. It was really an incredible, inspirational sort of thing that what happened. It just all snowballed That's as amazing, well. Like, yeah. The magazine sort of, for me, it was never planned. It just happened by osmosis. Right. I had, but I that's had all, this, all, all, often the yeah. best things that happen that way. Was when there's when you, you you try to find something and you can't find it, and then you go, well, I'll make it myself. Yeah, no, it, honestly, it was even more organic than that. It mm. was like I had. Um, you know, moved from London back to New York for a period of time, and I had hired six interns to help me <laughs> archive all my work right. because I had never archived my work. Yeah. And I had like thousands of tear sheets yeah. that had never been scanned that were all print. Yeah. All the print magazines I did for all like 15, 20 years, I, it literally since like 1993 when my first shoot was published, none of that had ever been scanned or no. like organized in digital format. So I basically said okay i'm gonna get this done and i had six interns scanning all day long and then like obviously you needed to color correct the scans and there was a quite a bit of like dust and like whatnot that needed to be fixed <laughs> to make them digitally appropriate and um basically we scan them all and after like i didn't know it took about three months or something and when we finished it was like oh well what next you right. know i have all these interns <laughs> Yeah, I have all these interns working around the clock, like on my work, and they all were so excited seeing all these yeah. amazing print magazines and all this incredibly inspirational work. And, and from they around were the like, world, and and, and 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 you know, this the old magazines weren't available online. Actually, I was just thinking, oh, yeah. was um, is, is your archive available for people to see? You know, honestly, I. It was so much work, mm. so many, like, I can't even explain. I have planned for years <laughs> to put that online. Right. But we actually finished scanning, and we finished retouching everything, yeah. but I never got around to actually putting it all online. I put, like, bits and pieces, right. like, some best of shoots I did for Harper's Bazaar yeah. and, like, 50 of my favorite pages for Vogue oh, and cool. various sort of best of collections that are like 100 pages for this magazine. I did, I think I did like 100 pages for Marie Claire, like Amazing. whatever, like little portfolios that I put nice. online. But um, can, I can never find did that anywhere all of them. specifically. Oh, on my website, justinderacesarine.com. Oh, yeah, I have, if you go into my photography section, you can kind of click on some of my archives nice. and see some of that work. But I have so many other shoots yeah. that I never got around to putting online. You know, I did a ton of work back in the day for British GQ yeah. and for Esquire yeah. and for The Times and for all these magazines from Paris and Italy. And I mean, so many publications. I was working in Europe non at stop pretty yeah. much for like 15 years back to back. And in Australia, I also did a ton of work and um, all of that. So we scanned it all. I put maybe two percent of it online right. really and the rest of it i've been sort of trying to figure out it's one of these days if i do an archive library or if i just continue to do sort of like little occasionally release like kind of best of mm. i well, don't I think really, really know interesting and i and i've been looking at my old archive as well and i have boxes of negatives all around mm -hmm. the world in various storage of my mum's at home and my mm -hmm. my friend johnny green's in london and the stuff in york i think still and and it's all everywhere and i look at some of the early stuff and it just 
you know, apart from being on film, it just has a different feel to it, that, mm-hmm. that, that pre-digital era of photography. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, I, and like maybe the 90s are now the 60s, you know, it's a, that next kind of era that, mm-hmm. that has become interesting to look at and has its own feel. And I, and, I, and I think it's so interesting to look back at that and, and I think it's time to get it out there and I encourage other photographers to look at their archive and, and remember what they've done, remember where they, what they've come from and where they've come from and find inspiration from themselves because it's, it's the industry, as we are chatting about earlier, is really tricky at the moment. And I oh, think, yeah. they, they think that photographers' confidence is, is up and down and all over the place and... And I think by looking at what well, I found that I, by looking through my old photos that I, I, I you know, realised I'm a good photographer and I've taken some great memorable f- photographs and that, that, you know, I still have a voice to be heard and I still want to keep shooting. So I, I encourage other photographers to look through their archives and, you know, and, oh, and fall in love with the, your own work again. You know, I'm actually working on an exhibit right now that I'm really excited about that mm. is I first picked up like a camera and started becoming experimental with work in 1986. <laughs> and I realized this year basically is 30 years that I've been working with photography and I was like you know what I need to do something to celebrate this so it's like 30 three decades that's massive so I've decided to prepare an exhibit that will be sort of 1986 to 2016 and one minimum of one work that I've done each year that I feel represents like my best of that year um, or most unique image of that year and to do an exhibit of just like 30 years, you know, well, that's, that's of con- inspiration and, and 30 years of, you know, and sort of celebrating all that time I've dedicated to honing my craft as a sort of visionary kind of artist and photographer and trying to like sort of, you know, in my own way, have like some kind of impact um you know presenting my work creatively Mm. i think it's like really important to like you know not hold back um Mm. these days i find as well when it comes to the art world more and more artists are sort of going down a diy path where you know the old school format of waiting for a gallery to represent you right. or some famous curator to pick you up. That's just like artists are taking it into their own hands. They're, they're opening up their own shows. They're curating their own exhibits. They're opening up their own galleries. And, and yeah, I you feel, know, I feel that's that you become are, a big trend. Right. And I feel that you as a gallery owner are actually part of that. And, and uh, the, look, we're jumping all over the place, mm, at, yeah. but I'm <laughs> so happy because it's just a, an organic conversation. I'm sure we'll hit everything. I want to talk about, but but what was the impetus for the Untitled Gallery? The Untitled, so, is that the title? Entitled the space. Untitled Space. The, the Untitled right. Space. So, you know, I started, when I launched Untitled Magazine, I, every, you know, sort of issue was doing loads of exhibits all around the world with the um, photography and video art mm. that was created, the original productions for the magazine. And I really sort of 
fell in love with the whole exhibition right. process, you know, yeah. and, you know, curating these shows yeah. and going all over to Art Basel Miami or Cannes Film Festival and presenting these beautiful exhibits of work and getting invited by these incredible, you know, foundations and museums to show the work and film festivals and all kinds of things. So that was like a huge sort of um, creative burst for me, just working on mm. those productions and those pre presenting those exhibits and working with curators and, and just how serious the work was taken. Like right. it, it was eye opening <laughs> for me. I didn't expect it to be taken so seriously. Um, but how gratifying, gratifying at the same time. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was for me, it was, a, it was a surprise. Like I right. didn't expect to get that kind of response. And I was like enthralled and, you know, humbled by the yeah. fact that we were getting such an incredible response by the work of the magazine. Um, I think it was just a collective of work as well. The fact mm. that we're producing 30 original videos for each issue right. and they were by all these right. sort of phenomenally renowned artists and photographers as well as people like Nick Rhodes who founded Duran Duran and yeah. Brian Adams <laughs> and like rock stars were producing original right. productions for us and famous artists that are, you know, exhibiting at the Gagosian. And, you know, it was like very exciting the amount of, you know, in the level of interest that the magazine got and the people that wanted to become involved. So basically that was like the beginning sort of seed to mm. eventually launching the gallery. Um, you know, I had about 10 years ago, I had bought this property in Tribeca and the intention when I bought it was for it to be my photo studio. Yeah. But as the years evolved, my interest in, you know, having it as a photography studio and whatnot. And when I launched the magazine, it sort of became the magazine offices. Mm. Um, and, and then things just sort of evolved one thing to the other, where we started doing a lot of the exhibits here and it just became a natural sort of organic process to actually turn this into a full-time gallery yeah. space. I already owned the property, so that wasn't like a massive investment. It was a matter of just sort of trying to use what I already had to its maximum, mm. you know, sort of benefit. And I had built up such amazing relationships with a lot of artists as well as curators. Um, so it was sort of one thing led to the other. And the gallery sort of was born. Um, yeah, and it's been, it's going been an incredible great. process. Yeah. How, how long has it been up and running for so far? About two years now. Yeah. And how many exhibitions do you think you, are, you have seen? Well, we do at least one exhibit a month, yeah. although often there's even two because a lot of our exhibits tend to be sort of... Um, you know, one to two week pop up exhibits mm -hmm. versus one month long exhibits. Mm -hmm. That old sort of format of the month long exhibit right. and the six week <laughs> exhibit is kind of going by the wayside, oh, yeah. I find. It's, um, it's unnecessary. You yeah. know, they, you, nobody, you have your opening, everybody well, attends the opening, yeah. and then, you know, people come in for like a week or so, and then it peters out, mm. and there's no point to keep the show up for a month. It's really a matter of, like, I prefer to do, a, you know, sort of 10-day to two-week shows, get that buzz with the opening, exactly. and then have another event set that either sort of closes the exhibit or is leaning, you know, towards the closing time frame that sort of gets people back interested mm. and, you know, get people sort of back in that haven't seen it. But at the end of the day, I do find that, um, you know, we do at least one a month. So yeah. it's a pretty quick turnaround. And what um, would you say your philosophy is for the gallery? Well, one of the things which, you know, as Untitled evolved, it, 
I also realized and kind of came back to full circle to my original interest in feminist art. Um, you know, I, my mother is a human rights lawyer. I Mm -hmm. grew up with a very, very strong feminist sort of background. So, you know, my mother was like the only woman with a PhD in my entire city when I grew (laughs) up. I mean, I was, I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, which probably a lot of people don't know. I was from the Midwest and, um, in the Midwest where I'm, we grew up, you know, until I was 13 years old, like none of the mothers worked, like mm. none of my friends' mothers worked. They, none of them, they, they're all housewives. And my mother had a PhD and was a lawyer. And, you know, I grew up with this very inspirational female sort of mm. head of household. Um, she sort of co, um, ran a company with my father and they worked together their entire, they're still together now. Um, but they worked together, you know, their entire lives and she was such a strong inspirational influence on me and i do find that um as an artist i was always highly impacted also by you know the sort of history of women and mm. feminist issues and you know female experience in particular right. and as a fashion photographer when I started working as a fashion photographer, I was probably one of the few women working in yeah, the early and, 90s and, in and the industry. I've never thought of, I've never, <laughs> and if anyone's seen a photo of, of, of Indira, she's a beautiful woman and, and uh, fantastic, but I've never thought of you as like a female photographer. I always thought of you as a photographer and, and you being female never really came into my headspace for it. And did you find that as as a photographer coming up that that was difficult? I mean, like the fashion industry is mostly run by women, and you know, probably less so a while ago, but more and more so so now. What did you find as a female photographer were the the hurdles that you had to jump through in a female dominated industry? Well. I mean, to be very honest with you, mm. uh, one thing that, you know, is something that I actually fight against, but it's a fact of life. Women are often, you know, raised to be very competitive with each right. other. Right. And often the last person that's going to help you is another woman. Now, I have put myself out there to actually be the opposite and to be, you know, try to encourage other women and female artists and to, we did an all-female issue, the Girl Power issue, which was all female photographers. And I have tried to do whatever I can to support women in the industry. Mm. But at the end of the day, um, part of that is because of all those challenges I face. I think that there was a handful of female clients that I worked with probably half of whom were lesbians that <laughs> yeah, that actually booked me because you know most of the time the female clients were not interested in working with a female photographer and that's right. just the way it is yeah. i met with agents that were very honest with me and said to me indira the fact that you're a woman 50 percent of clients are going to say no straight away yeah. and uh, many clients will refuse to work with female wow. photographers full stop yeah. you know i had agents sit me down and say the fact you don't have a penis you are not going to be considered for over 50 percent of bookings out That's there amazing. and yes well you know i was shocked I myself it's, it's the industry that happens in every industry but but was it was it more male art directors than more male creative directors or or, or was the was it this competitive nature 
that women seem to have with each other. And I've been listening to a lot of um, other podcasts on that, that talk about uh, about evolution and and as and as. All, you know, as as long as as humankind has been around, we're only kind of very short time in evolutionary terms out of the the small tribe and that kind of everything. Mm-hmm. And women, one of the and, it's, and according to the research, one of the things that women had against each other was to undermine each other because they, they didn't have the strength and they, and the fighting wasn't part of it, but. Part of the of the tribal structure was was absolute competition with women between oh, each other. Oh, absolutely! Well, they're fighting for husbands or whatever right. it is supposed to be. I have no idea. It is one of those things, like you said. Um, you know, a lot of people don't really take in mind or, or you know really think about the challenges that, particularly, you know, in the early days when I started out, um, and there weren't that many female photographers. It's, I, I actually, I wouldn't necessarily consider the industry to be female dominated. I think that right. it's a male dominated industry, right. but there are a lot of editors and women working in the industry mm. that are making decisions with regards to who gets work. And right. I do think that the majority of people today... Uh, when the, I say um, the, photography is definitely being male-dominated, yeah. I mean, like, the fashion industry as a, as a whole, and, and I guess, I, I, you know, uh, fashion editors tend to be female, and uh, I mean, there were male, but I, I guess it, it, it's like... It's not. It's not like a. It's a law office. Um, Ten mm-hmm. years ago, if you see what I mean. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I totally understand. I think the the point that I'm just trying to make is that you know I would consider it to be a male-dominated industry when it comes to the actual photographers getting work. Right. When it comes to the other people oh, working sure. in the industry, yeah. there's definitely a lot of women um, in you know, creative positions in the industry, but not necessarily shooting, although that is changing dramatically. Oh, dramatically. Um, I, and I, yeah. I, I lost a massive client, like one of my main clients. And when I, when I spoke to the art director, he was like, well, they want to shoot with female photographers. I mean, the thing is that, you know, for so long, I mean, literally, I last year when we did the Girl Power issue, which was yeah. photographed exclusively by female photographers, yeah. And I remember telling clients, you know, that publicists, for example, it was going to be all female photographers. They're like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of anything like that. Like, they You're thought it was crazy. And, oh, absolutely. They were shocked. And um, it was definitely a challenge also to find. Uh, you know, we went through every single agent in New York, Paris, and London. And I found out and through hard, you know, production and and knowledge that there's only about 10% of women, 10% of the industry today of working photographers are women. So it's a 90% dominated male photographers on the rosters of all the top working agencies. Right. Um, That was of last year when we did the Girl Power issue, which launched September 2015 that it was between 10 to 13% female represented photographers in the industry working right. that were shooting well, fashion and beauty, not necessarily kids and still life. There were a lot I of see. women doing right. kids and still life, well, maybe but not I'm just in, in, in You were looking at a, at a higher level or a different level to me, but I find that I'm 
um, more often than not going up against a female photographer. So maybe it, it, it is changing, but it's changing from the bottom up and, 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 and more and more female photographers are coming through. So look, well, it's, you know. I think that it's a trend right now. I right. mean, so we did the Girl Power issue. ID Magazine just this month launched their female gaze issue, which is right. all female photographers. I think, you know, the Pirelli calendar, they featured all women, like, in professional, like, sort of more serious dressed positions. Mm -hmm. Playboy has no longer doing nudes. They're yeah. doing women <laughs> dressed. And, like, you know, where, like, the industry is changing dramatically and it's changing towards women having a voice. Yeah. Or women have, being respected. For sure. Or, women being taken more seriously as, as creatives, as mm. movers and shakers, as, you know, we have Hillary Clinton running for president. Absolutely. That certainly, if she is elected, will change the game dramatically. And I think that there will be even more of a demand for female photographers if that does happen, because people will want to get that female point of view, because yeah. it is a, a, well, what happens, you know, like, look what happened when Obama was elected. Absolutely. All of a sudden, it was like all about, you know, um, the voice of the black um, African-American, you know, um, they, they had a much stronger voice visibly sure. in the creative field. So I definitely think that will be a trend that we will see even more of with Hillary if she gets elected. Um, and and, and, and for me, it's funny because I've... Um I feel like I've only worked with women my entire career. Like there would be probably ten percent of men that I would deal with, but it's always been mostly mostly women. And I look at to be encouraged. I think I look forward to the future, and I think like the more women photographers are, the the better. The more people in every industry there are, the better. But what do you think um, distinguishes a, if there is anything, a, a female photographer from a male? I mean, you know, that's a difficult question. And mm. I do think that there's a lot of women that actually shoot like men. For right. example, if you look at the work of Ellen von Unworth, I would say that she is a male gaze. She right. shoots women the way that a man would, well, which is probably why she, she's been so successful. I always you know, she she's, shot, the women are very um, sexy. I always thought, thought she shot uh, women the way men would like to be able to shoot women i thought that as a woman she could go further in a kind of sexuality in a sexy way than than men could because like as a as a male photographer you're always kind of holding back on not being too sexy because it descends into the to, into voyeurism or into into something that's not fashion whereas i found that ellen could almost shoot things more sexy and more risque because she was a woman. That's a, you know, interesting perspective. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely think, though, there's a whole new generation of female photographers that are photographing women in a much more honest light that is far less focused on the perfect woman, yep. far less focused on, you know, the Victoria's Secret like direction of a woman's body and more real curves and um, more natural lighting and less retouching and, mm. you know, bringing that honesty to um, to the picture. Right. I think if, that if it's I can, one of those on things. On the opposite side of that, I've, I've, and that has been a thing that's come through in um, 
in fashion magazines for a while. It's been a call to be more honest and everything. But I've, I've seen on Instagram, the moment the female public got a hold of uh, retouching and all that sort of thing, suddenly there wasn't a pore to be seen. Everything is handsome and changed. The, the waist and legs are narrower than, than they, they have ever been. And, and, and this is the way that they are portraying themselves. Is it trying? Well, I think that that back goes back to your whole thing of the competitive nature of women. Right. And that's women not being able to accept themselves for who they are, not embracing their natural beauty right. and trying to compete with each other and trying to look yeah. like a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, like. <laughs> all like you know so many women fall victim I to know. these sort of unrealistic yeah. beauty standards and that is something as an artist that i have actively also fought against you know we recently did an exhibit titled in the raw the female gaze on the yeah. nude which was yeah, 20 yeah, yeah, female yeah. artists and their vision of a female nude and the work was very honest mm. i think that you know it is a matter of women sort of Unfortunately, you know, it just it, it, there is that element of like, you know, women are conditioned by society mm. to want to look a certain way, right. and, and it's and very difficult for them to sort of it, fight against that. Yeah, and I think it will settle down because it's also new and the ability to kind of make your own snapshots, you know, magazine perfect, I guess is is something new. And then like this this whole obsession with with perfection and, and I, the idealized version will eventually settle down. But but I love the female aesthetic in fashion and I think it, it's refreshing and it's new and, and like I I understand that there's a, a move towards female photography at the moment. I mean, I think it's great. It's about time. Yeah, you know? of course. I mean, for Absolutely. so long, it was the opposite. So What's if women are fashion? finally <laughs> being put, if women are finally getting an opportunity where, you know, it's the competition is not five male photographers and one female photographer right. up against it. I mean, I remember with my agency in Paris, um, you know, I was represented by a very top agency in Paris for many years. And I remember a few years ago, I got a call and they said, well, listen, we, you know, we can no longer represent you. Um, we've decided to take on a different female photographer. And it was like, they oh, only wanted oh, to represent oh, oh, one, oh, oh, oh. you know? And it was like, they only out of their roster of like 10 or so photographers, as far as they were concerned, they only needed one right. female photographer. And right. like, once they had that quota filled, so I got sort of kicked out for them to take on board a different female photographer. And, that's something that, you know, obviously was hurtful at the time, Absolutely. but at the end of the day, I'm sure it was also it's the impetus. Now. Well, actually, no, I thank them now because it was yeah. the impetus for me to launch my own magazine, right. to change my perspective from waiting for clients to book me to actually being empowered and, and creating my own platform and booking myself and booking other photographers yep. and launching my gallery. If that hadn't happened, I would still be working today, shooting packaging in Paris for <laughs> God knows I made a fortune shooting all this lingerie and beauty yeah. packaging and all this stuff, all these ad jobs for various clients that, you know, were actually very commercial. And, yeah. and I look, I, I was kind of sad at that time because I felt like I had so much more in me, yeah. but at the end of the day, 
your first few years as a photographer, you're working a lot on editorial. Then as your career progresses into your mid-stage career, you know, your mid-career work, you get more and more commercial work and you find yourself mm. shooting a lot of advertising and catalog and more of your time is spent doing commercial work than mm. the editorial, cool, mm -hmm. fun, creative stuff. And I found myself spending, you know, if I was shooting 10 days a month, maybe nine days was commercial yeah. work. And the other day was a cool editorial that I was financing myself or that it was, you know, most of the magazines, like you're shooting for Glamour and Marie Claire, you know, it might as well be a commercial job yeah. because they give you a brief and right. it's, you know, very precise what they want. Um, at the end of the day, it was like maybe one of 10 jobs or one of 10 shoots I was doing would actually be something of my own creative inspiration. Yeah. And the rest, I honestly started to feel like I was selling out. You know, how many shoots can you do of a pocket detail against white background? I mean, <laughs> you're doing these jobs and you're like, what am I doing? You know, I got, I had one client in England that would book me for two weeks straight yeah. and it was just back to back you know, 10, right. 20, 10, 20 shots a day with a million variations. And it was just white background every single day. Very, very boring, clean commercial photography. And I started losing my soul. Like I, yeah. I got depressed. I was yeah. like, I can't believe years are ticking by and yeah. I'm just shooting this, like clicking away in studio against it. And I'm like, is this why I went to Columbia university? Right. Is this why I got a triple major in art history, <laughs> French literature, and feminist, like women's studies. Right. Is this what I did all that for? You know, I really started to question myself and why I was doing the job and um, why I was working as a photographer anymore. And was there a particular moment that, that you said enough? Was there a moment when you just said, this is crazy, I, I, I want to be a photographer again, I want to be, I want to create again, rather than just kind of using my technical, technical ability to make money? Well, absolutely. I mean, I got to that point. I think it was it was also just, um, you know, the economy and the economic crisis that happened in 2008 right. forced everyone yeah. to yeah. slow down. Yeah. And that's also the same year that I launched Untitled, um, the initial Forex magazine. And, you know, it was one of those things where I was forced to slow down because mm. of the economy and the lack of jobs that were out there. I created this whole new creative platform that was really well received um, and were, you know, it was very inspirational for me to start that project. And um, it just sort of took over my life and I shifted my entire perspective and position from being a photographer, working on commission to owning my own business yeah. with a magazine and creating my own productions and yeah. having a whole new um, livelihood, yeah. basically. And, I think that you, and you, that was a shift that just everything changed from there and I never went back. Well, and I think you hit that um, a lot earlier than, than a lot of other photographers. And I think like a lot of other photographers from our area, era are finally realizing that it can't be just taking pictures you know and 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 making money from from photography shooting over and over crappy stuff is not fulfilling and like there's this there's this uh, um commencement speech by neil gaiman that i always go to and, and there's a part of the speech where he says he you know he's a writer and he found himself being a professional email answerer and it's not really why you get in the game or do what you do and so i think it's and for me it was you know coming out to la that that was able to rediscover myself as a, a as an artist and a creator and to sort of like 
pull back and, and like, if, you know, it's, if I continue this race to the bottom where I'm doing more shoots for less money and, and more pictures and just doing, you know, training, the, you know, turning things over and over and over, click, 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 click. You know, I might win that race to the bottom and I'll be, you know. Yeah, right. Not, yeah. Uh, yeah why, why, what direction are you going in? Exactly. You have to rethink, like, yeah. what's, what's the plan and what's the, yeah. you know, you have to rethink what were your life goals. Like, yeah. that's one thing. Absolutely. You know, the other thing that was really powerful that I did in 2008 was I did a one-week retreat called the Hoffman, right. which is this sort of incredible, inspirational um, platform to kind of discover your sort of, you know, life goals or That's whatnot and, and review your sort of life patterns and mm. where you're going. and. You know, recently Sienna Miller has come out that it's changed her life, yeah. and Naomi Harris, who I recently interviewed for Untitled, also talked very highly about. She did also the same program, and that was a really introspective, mm. like sort of process that I went through that made me question um, my life goals, yeah. and it really sort of opened me up to you know, expanding my opportunities as an artist and rethinking the box, like, mm. you know, what next? Why, you know, why am I doing this? Where is it going? And, and kind of refinding my own sort of inner voice um, mm. and trusting my instincts, yeah. you know. And how important is that to, to get back to trusting your instincts again? And, mm -hmm. and everything, I've I found things have been so kind of pre-planned and everything for so, so long, but, but, but I'm more and more just trust my instincts again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important. I think, you know, anybody, whether you are a photographer, you're an artist, you're a creative director, you're a writer, whatever it is, anybody in creative fields, I think that, you know, it, you do have to get to that point where you might find that you, um, the more established you get in the industry, the more often you are pushed to be more and more commercial. And it's yeah. really important to just see that for what it is, take a step back and really look at it and say, is this me? Is this who I am? And if it's not who you are and what you're about, mm. then you really need to stand up for yourself mm. and reject what you're forced to do in order to make a buck and actually right. stand up for your own personal integrity. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was interviewing this musician LP today and she spoke very much about the exact same thing that, you know, she felt like her work was going into commercial of a direction and she had to take a step back and yeah. say, that's not what I want. That's yeah. not what I'm about. It's important to be an individual and have your own personal strengths and to recognize what those are and to stick to them. Mm. I think it's a very powerful thing to recognize. And I, and I think that there's these, there's a lot of, like, like I think it's important for photographers and creators to realize that they shouldn't be freelancers anymore, but entrepreneurs and build a business where their creative talents that they can use, you can use within their bit their business and to grow and to, to look for other opportunities and and because the gatekeepers are gone and with the internet you can build your own your your own audience and you can sell to them you can you know it's important to build your own audience through authentic work and then create a market for yourself rather than than continually relying on the blessing of other people within the industry oh absolutely i mean 
I think it, it definitely is very important to, there's so many opportunities. The internet obviously allows for you to have the power that, you know, used to be held by, like you said, the gatekeepers, the agents that mm. controlled the, the industry was controlled by agents and getting the right agent. And, right. you know, and if you weren't shooting for the right magazine, well, you were finished. And, yeah. you know, it, it was really, you know, certain people that made the decisions of who mattered. And yeah. now all that has shifted. You can become an extremely powerful voice just via social media. Yeah. You can become an extremely powerful voice through your own podcast, through your own video channel, yep. whatever it is, your own magazine, whatever channel or way you choose to project your you know creativity you can absolutely like allow that and create and engage an audience that can be a very very powerful thing absolutely and and look i think that, that what you're doing you know and and i go back again to like I, i've always just thought of you as a photographer rather than the female photographer and it, it, it didn't occur to me the struggles that you would face of of that there would only be one place as an age in an agency for for a woman and um but but now that i see that now i think it, it it's like and i just i thought of you as a fellow photographer for, but from what you've been telling me you've done great things for the for women for young women for women in the industry for opening things up and i think that what you're doing is is so not about you whereas it could be so much about you but you i really feel that you are authentically in this to to widen the opportunities for female artists and photographers and i think that's a, an amazing thing well i think it's just important to try to you know i saw that there was a need for change like yeah. i felt that you know that there's a problem the industry it was like 20 years went by and the industry hadn't changed. Right. I, the same, there was the same ratios of male to female right. photographers when I started is like, you know, a year or two ago. And right. it was shocking for me when what, what I started reviewing is, you know, like I said, you can knock on the door when the industry right. was managed by all these top agents around the world right. and right. whatnot, right. Right. you know, you could knock on the door of, you know, 20 agents in every major city and, you know, maybe get an appointment. But the fact is that they're only going to take on one woman <laughs> and they've already got one. The likelihood of them, you know, it, it, and it was just like the opportunities are very, very limited. Yeah, yeah. And many agents would say, well, women just don't work. So we're not going to take on right. a lot of female photographers because we can't get them work. Right. You know, and that was it. And at the end of the day, you know, that is shifting and there is this demand that is slowly coming about. But yeah. I still think there's a lot of progress to be made. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's and, you know, I hate to say it, but it's, you know, it's the same thing. in, for example, in the film industry, in the film industry in the early 90s, statistically, you know, they show that there were about 8 percent of women directing studio films. Right. And last year they released that it was only 5 percent right. of women right. that had directed studio films. And that obviously these statistics are, it actually had regressed. Mm. Fewer women were getting these opportunities, you know. I mean, in the same thing with the photography industry, when I reviewed, when I was working on the girl power issue, yeah. we went through everything. And we also right. went through, we went through one year of magazines. And right. you know what we found? It was shocking. For example, major American magazines in an entire year mm. had not booked one female photographer to do a main fashion cover or beauty story. That's crazy. The entire issues 
I don't even want to say what magazine is, but it's one of the major top fashion right. magazines in America. In an entire year, not one main fashion beauty or cover shoot was done by a woman. And it, you have to ask yourself, well, obviously, you know, there's a problem when yeah. you can see that. Yeah. And, you know, and that was one of the things the that inspired me to do the girl power issue. Absolutely. But were the opportunities being given to younger male photographers or was it just all old guard photographers i think it's a mix of old guard photographers of that right. tiny one percent that's shooting almost everything right and then um a lot of people booking people that they want to work with because they like having fun working with them right. rather than really looking at it in a serious perspective of like, we need to be equal opportunity employers. Right. Like they don't think about it like that because the fashion industry has never been like that. No, it you know? seems that fashion industry has been existing under its own rules for, for, for a long, long, long time. But I really th think um, that it's beginning to change and, and like you are one of the arbiters of change and so congratulations and and the, the work you're doing to bring about this change is to be admired so I, yeah so i'm no, really that. impressed because i go back to 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 just you know i i didn't you know i made this obviously it might sound bad of me to not understand the the uh, struggles you went through in the, your younger years but it, you know it was tough for me to get an agent and, and it didn't occur to me that there was only one slot available to you when there was nine slots available to me and you're you're a, a, an incredibly accomplished photographer and i've been published everywhere and everywhere so th that's ridiculous and i hope it changes and it is changing and you uh, are one of the people who has brought about that change well, thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's not a matter of, um, you know, trying to, uh, I, I just think it's really important for, you know, the, the facts and the truth to be Absolutely. put out there and for and I feel you have to a be mission, able though. to happen, yeah. you know. And I feel you have a mission and um, and I love this mission and, and you're right, things have to change and, and, and you are helping bring about that change. I think it's fantastic. Well, thanks for listening to part one of our in-depth chat with Indira. Join us back on Daddy OFM for part two, where we will continue to discuss Indira's career, her gallery, the entitled space, and we'll get some book recommendations. And uh, we'll also talk about a recent incident where a high-profile actress accused the Untitled magazine of trying to take advantage of her and of exploiting women, which if you've got this far with us, you know how far from the truth that is. So join us back for part two. Daddy-o out.